This is a trigger warning. This episode contains very frank discussions about death and the dying experience. If this topic is something that causes distress, we strongly encourage you to contact Lifeline Australia, 131114. Two Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The podcast that laughs in the face of death. <laughs> laugh already. How am I supposed to make this funny? It's, so, not, it's not funny. <laughs> Welcome to episode eight. Episode eight. Mm, got a good ring to it. Two Humorous Nurses where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. Today's topic is a little less lighthearted than we usually chat about, but we're going to do our best to make it fun. We are talking about death. Death seems to be something that we don't like to talk about. It's a little taboo and often avoided right until it's shoved in your face and you have no choice but to talk about it. Unless it's you because you seem to talk about death a lot. I talk about death a lot. <laughs> I just think it's such a natural thing. Well, it's just part of life. It's inevitable. Yeah. Actually, I've got the definition here. Ooh. Death is the permanent cessation of all biological functions that sustain a living organism. The remains of a living organism begin to decompose shortly after death. It's an inevitable process eventually occurring in all living organisms. So we have something in common, even with every single one of you. A dung beetle. A dung beetle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And as of the early 21st century, over 150,000 humans die every day. Oh, my God. That just makes me go... 150,000 dead bodies every day. Like, what are we doing with all these bodies? <laughs> My God, every day. So I only found out this – I found out yesterday that America has 300 million people. Holy crap. I did not know that. Australia has, what, like 26 million? Yeah. And so I feel like – That's a shitload of people. <laughs> I know. I just can't fathom that amount of people. It's I thought the whole world had that many people. How many does the whole world have? 11 billion. So 150,000 people a day really is not a lot of people. When you think about it like that, I suppose when you think about a percentage of the yeah. Earth's population, but I still feel like that's a shit ton every day of bodies. Imagine if you put all of those bodies in a big pile. Maybe don't. <laughs> don't imagine. I've got like wow. The, yeah, it's a lot. I've, this wow. That's a lot of imagining. I can still remember my first patient death. It was um, six months in, and it was on Christmas. So other patients had died on the ward, but this was my first patient that died. And she had sent all her family out the door and said, you know, come back tomorrow. And before they'd even, I reckon, got out of the elevator down the bottom, she'd passed away and I had to call them all to come back. (laughs) It was so peaceful. Like she just, she'd said goodbye to everybody and her her family were devastated, but they'd all gone to see her because it was Christmas Day and they'd all taken the time and it was... Yeah, I mean, it was sad for me because it was my very first Christmas that I'd missed with family because I had to work it and I was a grad so I knew I would have to work it. So I was like, oh, God, here we go. And then family, Christmas is going to be bittersweet every year. Yeah. Like, that's awful. I've experienced a fair few family deaths, Mm. like of grandparents and everything and aunties. But you never remember, well, I don't personally remember what day or date. Like, I might, it might be jogged by a Facebook memory. But I think if someone was to die on Christmas Day or my birthday or... Like you would always remember that. Yeah, you would. It would be awful. Yeah. And it would take time to get over. So my first experience with a deceased person was at work. And I won't talk about it because it's a local person. Mm. It was really, really sad. Just too young, you know. Mm. But I had never experienced the only grief I had ever experienced, the only experience I had had with death was 
my like family dog when I was like 11. Oh, really? And it was horrific. Yeah. And so, because I've, up until last year, I had two full sets of grandparents and a set of great grandparents. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. Crazy lucky. And then last year, my opa passed away. And that was really the first experience I had with death. And I look back, I'm like, fuck, I was so dumb. Like, if I see a person in the hospital and I look at them and go, they haven't got long, right? You can just look at them and Mm, you know. Yeah. My opa must have been dying for probably three weeks and I had no fucking (laughs) idea. (laughs) Like, he wasn't getting out of bed anymore. And he was skinny as anything. He looked dreadful. He had this awful colour. And I think every time I said goodbye to him, I never thought it'd be the last time I'd see him. And so... And just because I was like, ah, he's old and frail, it never occurred to me that he was dying. Yeah. Although we knew that he hadn't been well and that it was possible that he was going to die at some point in the future because mm. he he was a really high aspiration yeah. risk. And because he was so aware and we'd have full yeah. conversations and he, we'd chat and stuff, the last time I saw him, he knew. He knew he was dying. My mum's on one side, I'm on the other side, and he's holding both of our hands and it was like he was looking into our souls. Like he mm. knew it was going to be the last time that he would see us. And he's like, I love you so much. I'm like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like you're being stupid. And so then I give him a kiss on the forehead like he's, you know, yeah. I'm like I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I didn't because he fucking Aww. died. But he had a really nice death. Like I look at that and I think this is how every death should be. So yeah. he was fine up until his very last moment. The nurses rang us and they're like, we don't know what happened. We went in there. And he was fine, like giving us the thumbs up and smiling. And then 15 minutes later, we went back and he had died. Oh, and I was that's like, so, that's awesome. Nice. Like yeah. as, as upset as I was, it was such a beautiful thing. And in a way, he had stopped enjoying his life because he couldn't be independent. Yeah. And you think at that point, he wouldn't want to live on. He would want to just go and then not be in pain yeah. and not be. And I think that's the aim for all deaths, oh, yeah. isn't it? Like you want them to be peaceful and calm and pain-free. I mean, it's not the case in every situation, no, obviously. Like, and it is it can be really difficult for people to have that kind of death. Like yep. it, it, death can be super challenging in lots of ways. Yeah, especially if you're not ready to go. Like mm. um, I see, with, especially with my cancer oncology patients, I see two types of people, the people that are accepting of their um, impending end and others who are not <laughs> yeah and they will literally fight until the last and you know what and then there's people that i respect are... both of them yeah, i respect yeah. the ones that are just like i've had enough yeah i'm ready to leave and we'll just lay there and yeah and pass away and the ones that are like give me that chemo i don't care if it kills me yeah and i'm like well i can't because it will kill you and i'm not allowed to do that but good on you let's like you know fight your way to the end yeah absolutely yeah you might as well yeah yeah and I think yeah absolutely there's dignity in both sides of that I think there's also this outlier of people who live in complete ignorance of their disease or just a will denial yes that's right yeah they don't want to accept that it is there or yeah and it doesn't even have to be serious it is or yeah yeah and family members as well. Like it would be very hard to say, I'm okay, I'm ready to leave, I'm ready to to end. And the family go, what? What the fuck? Why? Why? What about us? Yeah. What am I going to do without you? We still need you. you. Yeah. 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 And that would be really hard, I think. Like I always suggest to the family members when they're palliating in hospital and, and you know, you're involved, I always suggest saying to them that it's okay. Let them know that you will be okay without them and yeah. that you're incredibly sad and it's... Because that would be awful for the dying person, yeah. for their family not to want them to go. Yeah. Like obviously it would be so hard because you'd feel responsible for their pain. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want your loved one to go, but 
if you can let them know that you you will be okay and you will get over it and you're okay if they're okay with giving up. Absolutely. And not that it's even giving up. That's a no, terrible term. it's just term, got to be but... that dual respect. Yeah. yeah. I've never had to sit by someone's bed and watch them die for three weeks. Like that would be really, really difficult. Yeah. You know, I was blessed and my old was blessed that he went so quickly. Yeah, definitely. Um, but a lot of the time it doesn't happen like that. And a lot no. of the time you get this person sitting there waiting for death and yeah. there's nothing you can do. And No, and it's a toll on you as a family member and it mm. can be people are like, can't you just give them something or mm. can't you just help them? Like, But you can't. You've, yeah, you're so you powerless. Yeah, like yeah. you can only do what, what you can do. Like everyone's expectations of death is so different. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you add in um, religious beliefs and all those other aspects to it, like people. And that's why everyone should be doing advanced care plans. Oh, my gosh. Get them in so that Plug. you can um, – you know, so that you know that your family member might not want that record playing of Tom Jones, <laughs> even though they love them. Yeah. They might not want that. They no. might just want a quiet room or they want you to talk around them or they want the TV on or they want – they don't I'm want anyone there. there. Leave them alone. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, don't yeah. invite Tom to carry in your neighbours from 20 years no, ago. Exactly they right. just want their immediate family members. Or they might want everyone around that's them. That's right. They might want, or they might want the priest or they might want Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And have that conversation with them if they're coming in and they are palliative um, or they become, you know, the, you put them on an end-of-life pathway. Have conversations with them and ask them what they want yeah. and, and conversations with the family members. And especially because then it's less complicated as time correct, goes on. Correct, yeah. yeah. And ask early if the family have thought about um, funeral directors. Or, or organ donation. Yeah, or yeah. organ donation. If they're in a situation for where they're donation, able to. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, in some places, the bodies don't go to the morgue or the hospital. They go directly with the funeral company. Yeah. So, you know, you don't want to be asking someone that's sitting crying after their loved ones passed away. Have you thought about it? And they haven't. And then of, they have to yeah. make a decision. That is probably. So I don't find myself particularly emotional in lots of palliative situations. Like because I had had such a limited experience with death. I wouldn't say it made me cold, but I, I don't know. I've, I've said to you before how empathy isn't my strongest yeah. suit so I do understand that it's a really difficult time but I also am a very pragmatic person so I try and meet in the middle of the empathy yeah. and pragmatism but I find that the hardest conversation to have because if they haven't talked about it before this person has died it becomes this whole has anyone asked which funeral director they want to go with has anyone asked if they want me us to do anything with their jewelry or that sort of thing. And yeah. I find that really difficult because when you've got someone who's in a huge amount of emotional distress and trying to be pragmatic about the situation yeah. is so difficult. Yeah. So have those conversations early, people. Early. Talk That's about right. it with your loved ones. Get them <laughs> advanced care plans if they haven't got them. Because it, and as a nurse, to be able to look at someone's advanced care plan and know exactly what they want and yeah. know exactly how we can support them to have the end of the life yeah. that they have not dreamed of. but you know, Or even be able to say to the family, they might not have all talked about it together. No, that's right. But to be able to say, look, your mum wrote that yeah. she wanted only these people in the room. And we have to honour that. You, yeah, yeah. Can you? Or your mum wanted this funeral director. I don't know if you've talked about it. Yep. Are you happy with that? Are it's you so choose? nice to be armed with that information. Yeah. And a lot of the time families don't operate that well and there can be social issues at yep. the time of death and it just makes it so much easier to go, well, this is what your mum wanted, black yep. and white. doesn't matter that you siblings are fighting over it because we've got it here and this is yep. what we want to honour. Especially if it's sudden and all of a sudden you're sitting there trying to make these decisions and you've never had a conversation with your yep. loved one. Yeah. Me and my Oma literally, like I joke with my Oma about 
sounds terrible. I joke with her about her dying more about her getting really old. Like we joke <laughs> and stuff. But we have talked seriously about what she wants at the end of her life and we have talked yeah. about she'd love to donate if she can. You she know. might be able to um, donate tissue. Maybe, yeah. Mm. But she's or had a lot science. of chemo and stuff. I don't know. Might be able to donate to, to science. science. yeah. They'll need My to study how to fucking, so she's so fucking mad. <laughs> study the brain. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, speaking of brain, I have, I don't know why, that was a really bad segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going through Reddit. Ooh, you found out <laughs> you that rabbit hole. me. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually so easy because everything I wanted to find, I found. Yeah, I know. You yeah. just have to tap it's in a incredible. few key words and you're like, oh, wow, Whoa. there's so many weird people out there. Yes. And I have the coolest story. So I thought, Ooh, you know, yeah, okay, so we're talking about death. And I thought, okay, well, we got to go into this a little bit. What actually happens when you die? And I thought, oh, there's all these people that have been revived or that have had death experiences. Yeah. And I was like, I want to know what they say about being dead. If the light really does come. Yes, so I found the coolest thing. So there's some guy had posted that researchers have been collecting and quantifying data of near-death experiences for years and they've created six categories that generally sum up most people's experiences. So the first one is the hellish experience, which is like uncomfortable, cold, dark, loveless or traditional flames and devil experience. God. I know, that's horrific. You'd want to be a really bad person. Jeez. (laughs) Um, the next one is that they have an out-of-body experience and they can travel freely and this often happens in an operation room when their heart stopped and oh. the doctors are working to revive them. Very cool. Then the third one is there's a blissful experience where they get this warm darkness that just feels so comfortable and peaceful. Oh, that's what I would want. Yeah, and it's indescribable nothingness. And yeah. then they say that it's often without memory or any inkling of consciousness. The next one is similar to the last, but with an additional light that is usually far away and emanates warmth and love and forgiveness. They're either attracted to this light and go towards it, or it gets better and better the closer one draws to the light and so they continue. And this is where the phrase, don't go towards the light or go towards the light um, comes from. The fifth one continues where the last leaves off. So it's kind of like stages, I think where the person's broken through the light to the other side and they're experiencing love, compassion, forgiveness and a state of consciousness is unlike anything they can put into words. Sometimes they can encounter a guide, so someone who ah. like a family member or a family to pet help or them something go forward. who brings them over. Yep. The final experience goes beyond the previous state of love and consciousness and is experienced only by relatively few people. They say that they experience a becoming one with the universe or the universal energy that unites everything or God. And they've stated that they understand everything and that knowledge is known just by thinking of a topic. And that, to me, just sounds like the most incredible experience. Is this this just someone's theory on it? Or is this what they've recovered from people that have been revived? Yeah, so I think, well, from what I can gather. So if you got all the way to that last stage and then come back. You'd be devastated. And I'll tell you, someone... Here we go. So this is a story from someone who was dead for six minutes. I was laying on the gurney and I was getting colder. Somewhere my body started warming up and everything became really calm and peaceful. I was no longer in pain. All the noise from the ER just went away. It was really enjoyable. I was thinking about my daughter and remembering all the things we'd done. Slowly it was just black and nothing. There was no knowledge of anything. I explain it as it was like before I was born then the worst thing in the world is being revived. 
I started hearing loud noises, felt this massive pain. Then there was the nastiest stench ever and I vomited all over a nurse. The smell was like every dead animal had crawled in my nose. Oh my God. Dying was the most pleasant thing I've ever experienced and being revived was the worst. Oh no. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Like that just absolutely blew my mind. Wow. That kind of gives you some peace that but death can it obviously isn't isn't as scary as we think or no. I think we fear death. Why do we fear death so I don't, much? Yeah, it's funny. I've never feared death. I feared the death of my loved ones. I don't fear it for people that my I knew my grandma, you know, she'd been really sick for years. Mm. And when I saw her um, a year ago, I knew it was the last time I was going to get to see her yeah. again. COVID pretty much told me that yeah. as soon as that started, I knew I was never going back to WA to see mm. her. And then she died. She got really sick with pneumonia and died right at the end of March, just before COVID ramped right up. Yeah. And... I think that doesn't scare me, like that kind of, like I knew she was going to go. She's yeah. been sort of on the edge for a couple of years she, like with really bad lung disease. But it would be that fear of a sudden death of a family member I think is, is scare me. Them dying, I know we're all going to do it. Yeah. So I think I'm not scared of the dying factor. I'm scared of of the losing, the death. Like, like yeah. it's hard to explain, I guess, but. For me, it's just FOMO. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to die, might miss out on stuff. I know. And I always think, and I'm such a control freak, so I feel like I should just get myself an advanced care plan now, even though I don't have any <laughs> Do it. Oh, my God. So that I could it. be like, you need to play this song at my funeral and you need to, like, I need to plan. You'll have so to update auntie, it every fucking 10 years know, when you find a new song. got to plan her funeral. And when, I think that's such a beautiful it's very thing cool. to do. Like, um, and the, I remember the priest, he was this young um, African um, priest and he, he said he'd never been called to the bedside of someone to discuss the funeral arrangements of their own funeral. <laughs> and he said, but I couldn't imagine, um, like, it was the best experience that he had had with, with like, so in cool. that situation. Yeah, like, I love that. Yeah, I think that. Well, my Alma's done a prepaid funeral. She's picked out, you know, what she wants oh, and yeah. the flowers. That's very thoughtful, the, isn't it? It's just so good. Yeah. They, and <laughs> she did it for my old part too and it actually made things so easy. Yeah. Because we were like, well, we know how much money is there and we yeah. can just go and choose the coffin. And then yeah. he wanted to be cremated. So we knew that. And it was just made it all so easy. I think it, yeah. I think we're so fearful of death, but it can be such a beautiful um, situation yeah, as well. Experience. And yeah. obviously a lot of these people that um, of uh, from Reddit, from Reddit. <laughs> all our friends from Reddit. <laughs> incredible um, source that reddit is but a lot of them so all these people had commented going oh my gosh this is the most comforting thread i've ever read because all these people had said that they had such incredible experiences yeah so there was one girl who had an anaphylactic reaction and she wasn't breathing so she just assumed when she came to that she was just hypoxic and that she <laughs> was hallucinating because she <laughs> couldn't get oxygen to her brain and then she told her mum what she saw and she was like uh, yeah, it was a middle-aged man who wasn't in scrubs or anything. Um, he was standing at the end of the bed while all the staff were running around and doing what they were doing. I was having a non-verbal conversation with him and he was telling me to calm down and focus on my breathing. He wore a tropical, like a Hawaiian button-down oh shirt gosh. and one of those old-school newsboys hat and had a really pleasant face. Mum showed me a photo of my grandpa that I'd never seen before oh. and it was the guy at the foot of my bed and he died before oh, I was even born. I full just yeah, got full I just body got, Look at my hair. I know, I'm <laughs> the same. My whole legs and my 
Yep, all tingling. Yeah, I know. Look at my hairs on my oh arms. Oh, my God. I know. So isn't that so amazing? Like, oh. I fully believe yep. that the people who die, they just go somewhere and they're there and they can see us or they can't see yep. us. Or I try and think that they can't see us when we're having sex and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just I maintain that belief that they just don't. They're not look. at the foot of your bed no, telling you to calm they down. Do. <laughs> <laughs> so I just assume that that doesn't happen. I feel like in those important moments that they're there, yeah, and that I fully believe in psychics and clairvoyance and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think that um, I'm on the edge with that. But I have. Um, have you watched John Edwards? Well, <laughs> I've recently seen a few things on the internet, as you do. It must be true. Like and- I read it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah and if people's like people saying you know they absolutely could not have known that information and yeah i think yeah and i i don't know if there's an there's no part of me that would be willing to pay someone to tell me oh no see i would but i actually really i have never been to a psychic but no, i fully believe either. in it but i'm just i'm such a tight ass i know see that's like, why i'd rather <laughs> spend the money on coffee yeah <laughs> there was actually there's one other one that i thought i should mention my dad's cousin, this is not me, this is someone from Reddit. My dad's cousin had cancer and was in really bad shape, like near death. At the very end when she was pretty much dying, her dad said to everyone that he prayed to God to take his life instead of hers. She recovered out of nowhere and he died a few months later of an even more severe cancer. Stop. Yeah. Boom. Unbelievable. Like someone recovering. It reminds me then... of the Green Mile. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he like takes the sickness yeah. from the people, yeah. Ah, just... Those kinds of unexplainable, like how do weird. you how do you recover from an incurable cancer that's killing you? Then the person who prayed for you dies. Said, of- I'd rather die than them die. Yeah, incredible. That is incredible. But I do. I fully believe in spirituality. Oh, I um, think, so. I yeah. think I respect people's religion. Like I yeah. respect that people are religious. I don't always agree with a lot of the no. beliefs and that sort of thing. Like if I'm dying and you think that you saying a prayer for me will make me better, or say the, it. Or make me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Say it. Yeah, exactly right. But also maybe donate your kidneys. That too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As nurses, we probably do need to talk about things like organ donation. Give it to me. Uh, so organ and tissue donation involves removing organs and tissue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Captain Obvious. From someone who she has clearly died. didn't proofread that one. No. I've just never wrote. I never said that sentence out loud. <laughs> from someone that has died, or preferably called a donor, and transplanting them into someone who, in many cases, has been very ill or dying, and they're known as a recipient. Do you know anyone on the transplant list? I don't personally know anyone on the transplant list. No, I do. Do you? Twenty-seven year old needs a kidney. So if anyone's Oof. giving, well, if anyone's feeling particularly altruistic. She needs a kidney. <laughs> At least one. <laughs> Just one. One will do. Well, there's approximately 1,700 people on the donation list at sort of any one time. This is Australian statistics. Um, and in 2019, 548 deceased organ donations and 239 living donors gave 1,683 Australians a new chance at life. It's incredible. Isn't it? Um, Can I just ask the because we're talking about death? Mm. How many people die on the transplant list every year? Oh, I didn't look that fact up, but did you know only look less than one percent of people die in a hospital in a specific situation where organ donation could be possible? Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So in Australia, we're pretty lucky. Studies have shown that seventy-six percent of Australians are willing to become organ donors. They're willing, but do they do it? Yeah. Well, they probably don't die in the situation. 
necessary. So if you do want to donate, um, you need to register online at donatelife.gov.au. We will put links in the show notes. Um, and Australia is one of the le- world leaders in organ donation, which I was surprised at. Yeah. I thought we weren't very good at it. Normally we are. It. Well, so, I mean, this sounds dreadful, but I just looked up yeah. the stats. 35 people died in 2016 while on the waiting list. Yeah. So while that's not good, it's not I feel like lot. it's not. It's not. Like that's in a whole year. So that's yeah. less than one a week. That still, oh, still sounds still, pretty bad. Still, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's promising at least. Yeah. But if you're not on the donation list, get on it, like on the register. And you can do it from MyGov, from your yes. like MyGov or yeah. Medicare app. Yeah. Yeah. And have a conversation with your family because even if you're registered as a donor, if your family say your family will be consulted for consent. I think that's so shit. And even if you if you are on the list but your family say no, then your organs won't be donated. So please have a conversation with your family members and let them know that what you're willing to donate or what you're not willing to donate. Personally, they can have anything they want from me that and I'm, give the rest I'm to ex- science. I literally I'm, ticked every box. I'm like, yeah. take it all because it all. <laughs> I do not need it. And it means that there'll be less ashes yeah. in my urn. Yeah. <laughs> a a wayless. Less of a weight to bear. <laughs> Um, what can be donated? You can donate heart, lungs, liver, kidneys, pancreas, and lots of tissues. So heart valves, other um, heart tissues, bones, tendons, ligaments, skins, and parts of the eyes. Mm. In some situations with tissue, not organs, only tissue, these can be harvested up to 24 hours after your death. Mm. Um, and they can be stored for long periods of time. So I've used donated bone in theatre yep. um, when we've been doing graftings and things. I've done organ retrieval for kidneys. You can actually donate, if you're having a total hip replacement, you can be a live donor and donate the femoral head. Oh, that's um, amazing. That I removed. didn't know that. Yeah, and I don't. Is that only at certain services, like only probably Maybe. big Melbourne hospitals? Yeah, or something? probably. Um, and that single bone donation can benefit up to 10 people. That's incredible. Yeah. So skin grafts. Because um, you think about how the amount of bone you throw away correct. during, like, during yeah. any, well, a lot of ortho procedures. Yeah. God, you and tuck away. Yeah, um, like the head of the femur isn't damaged. It's mm. all the other bits that yeah, make the is why you need yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the cartilage that's the issue, yeah. not the bone. Yeah. Um, actually, something. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Something I was, I heard about listening to this pregnancy podcast that I listened to. They were talking about cord blood yes. donation, yeah. and I was like, oh, it's never something I even considered. But it's usually only at like metro mm. hospitals. Anyway. Anyway. We digress. Yeah. <laughs> um. So obviously with the donation process, the patient has to have died in for organ donation, have to die in a very controlled environment. Mm. So we talked a bit earlier on the definition of death. So death is determined in two ways, either brain death, which occurs when there's irreversible cessation in brain function or circulatory death, which yep. occurs when there's irreversible circulation of blood in the body to organs. So we want the patient to have died in a brain death situation, not a circulatory death situation two senior doctors will independently conduct tests to ensure that the patient is brain dead and obviously there's lots of other things that go into that but we won't necessarily delve into that Mm. and after brain death especially if the patient's in an icu um, the body still is circulating blood and the heart will still be beating Mm. it's like like i've written here it's like the unicorn situation of deaths because it happens in less than one percent yeah the hospital will have already done checks to see if that person's organs are able to be donated they would have checked the bloods and all that and then they go to the family and have a conversation with the family to see if that patient would 
want to be an organ donator. Yeah. Donator. Don- donor. The donor. <laughs> donator. It's very rare. I mean, last year, what, 548 donations of organs. So that doesn't necessarily mean 548 people they could have donated multiple organs from mm, one that's person. right yeah you know it sounds dreadful but it, it should even be something you talk to your kids about because yeah. you never know like if your kid's gonna cross the road and get hit by a car and then the amount of lives that they could save well there's that foundation um zadie's yeah, rainbow yeah, yeah, yeah. with a little girl who died who wanted to donate her organ yeah, and she saved incredible um numerous lives. lives yeah my daughter's been exposed to death a little bit over her last few years mm. with great grandparents and things passing away And we watch medical shows together and I think it's a conversation that I haven't had with her but I think I absolutely could because she would understand. She would, yeah, and she's quite mature in that way. Like she's had exposure to lots of things that maybe other kids haven't. And I think it's, yeah, obviously it's age appropriate. Yeah, yeah. And I think people believe that, well, I don't know if people believe it, but people might not be aware of what's involved. So there's a couple of websites that are really, I found, um, obviously Donate Life has heaps of information on it but also Mm -hmm. transplant.org.au. And I just, there was a few myths and and facts that I've written down um, that it might be against their religion, but majority of religions actually support organ donation because it's a generous act that benefits people. It's altruistic. Yeah, so you should um, talk to your religious advisor and Mm. see what their thoughts on it are, that your family won't be able to view your body. But I think people need to realise that organ donation is done in in a really respectful and dignified way yeah they're not going to massacre the body just to get the organs no and the removal of the organs is done in a hospital in with highly trained surgical experts it's not the mortician hacking with a sword yeah and then um you know the body appearance looks exactly the same and you can even have an open casket yeah if that's what you what you want because Um, it is i mean it's an incredible gift and oh yeah and having been a part of an organ retrieval it is um, it's special, like, and well, you know, those that videos online where the bodies of the people that are donating are being wheeled down corridors, and and nurses and hospital staff are clapping them. Oh, that's incredible! Because it's such a respect, like, it's such a beautiful thing to do to, to be know able to that, give someone yeah. else a longer life. Yeah. yeah. Talking about this reminded me of a video that I saw recently. A woman was getting married, and her dad had passed away and donated his heart. Oh, yes, I and saw that. And she got the man who received his heart to walk her yeah. down the aisle and oh. she, like, put her hand on his heart, like, yeah. you know, oh, God, it's, like, choking me up. I mean, it's beautiful. Beautiful, yeah, yeah because that's her dad's heart beating, like, yeah. kind of sick if you think about yeah, it, but really fucking cool. My brother, who we've talked about on here before, yeah. he actually donated bone marrow. Really? Yeah, he thought it was just going to be a blood test. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bugger, <laughs> drilled into his hip. But, I mean, even that, I have so much respect for him doing that. I mean, the day he turned 18, he went and got a blood donation. Like, that's just what he does. He's generous. And then, yeah, he did went on the blow, um, don't ma- <laughs> the bone marrow um, list yeah. and um, he got a match fairly quickly for a younger person on the it's other incredible. side of Australia with um, cancer. And well, I actually yeah, know someone donated. who received a um, bone marrow yeah. um, transplant. And, you know, has fully recovered. Like, um, yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And those people who, like your brother, who just go out there and go, oh, I'll donate my bone marrow. Yeah. I don't need it right now. And actually something that I've talked about now since, obviously, um, Mick and I are having a baby. And I was thinking, how fortunate am I that I am fertile and that yeah. I can have a baby? And I think that in the future, 
I would consider donating my eggs. So a friend of mine donated her eggs. Because I think what a gift uh, you can give someone. The recipient had a little baby oh, from it. That is unbelievable. How, like, yeah, it's That beautiful. is a gift. Like you're giving the fucking G- gift of life. In, and I think this is like in death there's always some life that can come from it. So I think whether you you are cremated and you're put into some tattoo ink and tattooed onto you or put under your rose bush and, you know, like <laughs> scattered out to sea. I think that if you can help, I mean, you don't have to. If you don't want to donate your organs and you feel like you want to be buried whole, that's completely totally up to choice, you. your choice, yeah. And, I mean, you might be one of the 99% that can't donate anyway. Yeah, yeah that's it. right. That's it. Like mm. I think if we could all take something away from today, don't be scared of death. Don't be scared of talking about death with your family. Yeah. Talk about organ donation. Sign up if you're not already. It's not on your license like it used to be when I first got my <laughs> license. Did we make death uh, approachable, do you reckon? Probs. Probs. We're, <laughs> we're pretty. Did we get off topic too many times? No, I think we did pretty well. <laughs> uh, first time for everything. Thanks for listening to episode eight. Did you have an inappropriate Google? <laughs> Next episode, we're going to talk about nurses who kill. (laughs) Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, share and like, and follow us on Instagram at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast. Email us with your topic suggestions, please, and your nursing stories. Uh, We just want to give people. We just want to give the people what they want. (laughs) So send us your topic suggestions. You can email us at humorousnurses at gmail.com. That's humorous like the bone. H-U-M-E-R-U-S, nurses at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.